The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God, amen. Please be seated. Clarita and Gilbert Medeiros are one of the loveliest couples I've ever met in my entire life. Clarita, who was about five foot one, was the flower lady of our church on the island of Kauai. Her family was originally from the Philippines, and she grew in her own backyard the most beautiful flowers you have ever seen. It was like a never-ending tropical paradise. On the day of Pentecost every year at our church, St. Michael's, when the Holy Spirit descended as a dove and there were dancing tongues of fire over the apostles, Clarita would transport from her backyard about 50 stunning birds of paradise plants. She would decorate the entire area behind the altar raise some of it. A multicolored swooping of the doves of the spirit, the most beautiful red and orange fiery tongues, floral version you've ever seen. She was gifted. It was inspiring to watch her work. Gilbert was equally talented. By day, he unloaded the ships at the docks at the port of Kauai. He was about 95% Hawaiian, but he always said he had about 5% Portuguese, just to make him funny. Gilbert was a magician in the kitchen. His lao lao, which is pork steamed in taro leaf, was so good, it would make you slap your kapuna. You add a little Louisiana hot sauce to that, and it will take you straight to culinary heaven. When it was announced that our church would be hosting the first ever Kauai chili cook-off, I entered immediately. I sounded the alarm. In fact, <clears throat> I sounded all 12 alarms, and I let people know that no Hawaiian had a chance against a Texan in a chili cook-off. Now, I don't like to brag, but that's what I did. I told uh, Gilbert 
And I told Willie and I told the three chefs we had in our congregation who had all entered the chili cook-off, I don't know quite how to put this. <laughs> Channeling my most self-assured anchorman voice, but in the world of chili, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> People know me. Gilbert winked and nodded and said, mm-hmm, remember the Alamo? <laughs> the day came. Confident of my impending victory, I moseyed around all the tables and took a highly critical look at the competition. When I got to Gilbert's version, all I could do was pity and pray for this poor soul. There were some things floating around in there I did not even recognize. But I knew a bean when I saw it. Beans and chili, blasphemy, I say. I also saw what looked like Portuguese sausage in there. And I remember thinking, this is just not right at all. Gilbert, you have a snowball's chance in Texas heat of winning this competition. I remember the esteemed judges deliberated for a long time and Finally, they first announced the first runner-up, also known as second place, abject failure as far as I'm concerned. I heard my name. <laughs> and I swore I heard Jim Bowie and all the defenders of the Alamo roll over in their graves. And then they announced in first place, for the best chili on the entire island of Kauai, goes to Gilbert Maderos. The crowd erupted in applause because the truth is, Gilbert was everybody's favorite. As a consolation prize, he offered me a small bowl of his chili. Because of my superior knowledge on the topic, I wanted to tell him, this is not chili. None of your ingredients are correct. And this is going to taste terrible. Instead, it was one of those occasions where I stuck by that old adage, sometimes it is better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. <laughs> so I winced and put a spoonful down the hatch and holy liliquoy, holy jalapeno Gilbert, this is absolutely delicious. How is it possible? What is your secret? Inquiring mouths demand to know. Ah, Gilbert said, you see, it's made with love. The secret ingredient, he said, is love. So what did I know about chili or about love? Well, enough to win the next year's competition. <laughs> because the next year I added Gilbert's secret ingredient. And that took me over the top and lifted me to that place that Gilbert had discovered long ago. Now, I have no idea how skilled the Apostle Paul was in the kitchen or whether he had mastered the Mediterranean diet. But I can tell you this, in the library... In the church, he was top chef. Paul was crazy smart. He knew things. He was a big 
deal around there. As a Pharisee, he knew the law inside and out. He was, quote, advanced in Judaism beyond most of my age, he admitted. He was taught and mentored by the legendary Gamaliel, a doctor of Jewish law who sat on the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Judaism. Paul had more spiritual knowledge than anybody in that part of the world, and maybe in the entire world, and yet... Paul apparently knew, as my very first boss at Brinks Hardware Store on North Shepherd Drive in Houston used to ask me every afternoon when I arrived from my 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock shift after studying hard at Waltrip High School all day, Hello, Billy. Do you know enough yet to know that you know nothing Paul would have answered, yes. Because the ultimate truth is that knowledge, he said, puffs up, but love builds up. What you may think is your superior understanding only inflates your ego. To be puffed up is to be filled with nothing but air. It might even be hot air, but it's still air. But love, agape love, sacrificing, unconditional unselfish love seasons all of life perfectly. That kind of love that that builds up, that lifts up, that rises up above all the trivialities of life that we get so bogged down in and divided by with all of our divergent opinions. Paul says your opinions are not as important as you think. Should we eat meat sacrificed to idols? That was the burning issue of the day for the Corinthian church. The smarter folks, the stronger folks, understood that those idols weren't real, so it didn't matter. But they did not understand that dietary choices and even spiritual enlightenment are not more important than your relationships, your connections, Everyone there had an opinion, and those opinions had already been mixed, stirred, and baked, and were now as hard as concrete, just like many of our opinions in our age. But opinions are always half-baked in the kingdom of what truly matters, of the core values of God. What Paul is ultimately saying is this, it is more important to be loving than to be right. It is better to care than to win. It is better to lift up than to tear down. It is better to be interested in others, their stories, their struggles, than to pass judgment and pity them for what you think they do not know. It doesn't matter how talented you are in the kitchen, how many spiritual ingredients you have at your disposal, how adept you are at maneuvering your way around the Bible or any other sacred text. If you are missing that secret ingredient, the most important ingredient, you may as well be devouring a big bowl of wind. All of those things that we argue about and get worked up about, they matter about as much, Paul says, as a hill of beans in a vat of chili. In other words, not much. Paul is keenly aware 
that in Christ he is aware, he is enlightened, and he is free. He has profound liberty in knowing Jesus, but liberty, he says, is not a license to judge. It is not an excuse to condemn or put down or destroy. It is the liberty to love, to build, to encourage, to understand, to respect. It is the most satisfying and sustaining ingredient of all. And then add in just a pinch of kindness and mercy and forgiveness and grace and generosity and and patience and peacefulness. You have a dish that will warm not just the tongue, but the heart. You have a dish that can feed not just you, but can nourish the whole world. And one of my favorite scenes from a favorite show, Ted Lasso. After Rebecca, Ted's boss and owner of the soccer team, as we would say, football team, after she is disrespected and put down publicly by her ex-husband and ex-owner of the team, Rupert, Ted steps up and challenges Rupert to a game of darts at the local pub. If Rupert wins, he can pick the lineup for the last two games, and he can also make himself at home in the stadium. If Rupert loses and Ted wins, Rupert is banished from the stadium, particularly the owner's box, as long as Rebecca is seated there. Now, Rupert is one of those guys who thinks that his knowledge and his skill is, to, is superior to everybody else's, whether it's in business or sports or outmaneuvering the opposition or playing darts. And he has brought his own personalized set as well as his own overinflated ego to the match. The truth is, Rupert is pretty good. And Ted finds himself needing an almost impossible finish to win. He needs two triple 20s and one bullseye. As he eyes the board, Ted speaks. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw a quote by Walt Whitman, painted on the wall. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. Ted throws a triple 20. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. They thought they had everything figured out. So they judged everything, and they judged everyone, and I realized that their underestimating me, who I was, had nothing to do with it, because if they were curious, they would have asked me questions, you know, questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? He throws another triple 20. To which I would have answered, why, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my dad, from age 10 till age 16, when he passed away, Ted squints and says, barbecue sauce, and throws the game-winning bullseye. Good game, Rupert. Good game. Now, here in Texas, we think we know that barbecue sauce is optional. 
and beans are absolutely unnecessary. But being big on knowledge can be quite a bland endeavor if we're short on the secret ingredient, the one that spices and savors what really matters in this life. Being a know-it-all is a distant second to being a lover of all. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, lifts up, and takes us to a place where everybody wins, where there is no competition, that place where every one of us truly belongs. Amen.
lift us up where we belong where the eagles cry on the mountain high it's love lift us up where we belong 